Hello, and you are very welcome to Donadara Doability. I'm Dara McNicholas. And I'm Dan Harry. Dan, good morning. How are you? I'm doing very well. How are you? Good. Yeah. Listen, beautiful day out there. Sun is shining. Birds are singing. I know because I can hear them and it's going to annoy me. Uh, but I can't ask them to stop. Apparently, it's just not good form to stick your head out of your attic window and start roaring at things. But anyway, we'll be fine. Today, we are joined by Grace Alice O'Shea. Thank you very much for joining us. Oh, no, thank you for having me. I'm so excited. So excited to be here in Chatty. So you are a sexuality educator. Yes, that's correct. Um, sometimes I just go by sex educator. Sometimes I go for the full relationships and sexuality educator, but that can be a bit of a mouthful at times. But uh, sexuality educator sums it up pretty nicely, I think. I'm of an age, right, um, where... This is, I'm kind of almost amazed by this, right? That, that something like this exists. Um, you know, for, for me, I suppose, kind of, uh, we say sex education or whatever when we're growing up, like probably the hints and tips you might have got now were out of Sunday World uh, on the help pages. Uh, I don't know who it was, Asturge or somebody like that kind of thing. So is, it, is this a modern thing now or is it, is it going a while? Um, I guess it is quite modern. Um, I was only talking about this yesterday, actually, to a uh, psychosexual therapist. And I was saying that, you know, the kind of jobs we do, they're not the kind of jobs that are just advertised, you know, and and, and ready made and you walk into them, you know, um, you kind of really have to create your own role in the sexuality field. That's that's my experience of it anyway. So I think in that aspect it's quite modern um like it certainly wasn't on the cao form when i was 17 <laughs> i wasn't like oh i'm gonna be a sex educator that's what i've always wanted to do it's kind of i i find that it, it's something people find themselves ending up in this field um so i would say it is quite modern i mean sex education has been i suppose when you think of in ireland it certainly is quite modern um it you know it has been around for a while but Again, the standard of sex education has probably changed a lot and um, it's now, it's becoming more and more, I think, accepted and more mainstream. I would certainly hope so, but I really do feel it is. Um, is there much of a community then of? There is, and um, it's a small community, but it's growing. Um, so in Ireland, I would say that, you know, I might have a list of about 10 to 20 people who are either sex researchers, uh, sex therapists, sex educators um, in, in those kind of roles. And we all kind of know each other, even if it's just over online, which in a way is lovely because it's kind of it, it's just lovely to be part of this, you know, when it's when it's beginning to really grow and take off. But at the same time, God, it is so small, like when people are asking me for recommendations for a sex therapist, I can only name a few in Ireland and a lot of them are booked up for ages. And yourself and myself, Grace, would have first uh, linked up a couple of years ago at the Positive Sexual Health Conference in um, in the Mansion House. Um, and I was there at the time talking about um, disability and sexuality and kind of the rights of people with disabilities um, to have a sex life, essentially. Um, and I was just curious as to what your opinions on that were 
around kind of disability and, and sexuality? Yeah, well, I have very strong opinions about it. Um, I originally trained as an occupational therapist, so that is my um, original degree. Um, so from the get-go, I was interested in you know, I suppose how people with disabilities navigate the world and um, just wanting to be in some way involved in something that could maybe enable people to do things that they want to do and have really as fulfilling a life as possible. And then when I was in the course, I did realize it didn't really sink in for a few years afterwards. But in the course, I was kind of like, you know, we're not doing an awful lot on sexuality at all. You know, we're talking about everything except sexuality we're talking about you know enabling people to use the bathroom to get changed to um to learn to speak again to learn to walk I mean you name it and especially I suppose at that age of being in college and sex becomes kind of more to the forefront of your brain and it's kind of happening more often I was really thinking God, why why isn't this being addressed specifically? Why isn't there an actual module on this? Um, because I remember someone did ask in one lecture, oh, you know, what about if a client has problems with, uh, I don't know what way they phrased it, it's kind of blurry memory, but, you know, something around um, sexual functioning. And the lecture was like, oh, will you just address it like you would with any other difficulty? You know, the same theory applies. And fair enough, but that's not enough. You know, that's really, it doesn't, give half enough um what's the word kind of value to to how delicate and sensitive and important that part of people's lives are so I suppose my opinions would be very much that you know like you were saying Dan that like everyone has the right to have a fulfilling um sexual life and that's going to look differently for everyone you know that's not people sometimes take this up wrongly that being sex positive means that you know you've the right to have sex with anyone you want whenever you want and that's not what it's about but it's about that what is right for you and what what fulfills you you should have the right to access that and to experience it and i think in my experience um disabled people or people with disabilities are often viewed either as asexual on one end of the spectrum so it's just not considered that they would even want to engage or be engaging in sex and then on the other end we have I cannot say this word I really need to learn to say it the fetishization of people with disabilities so where people are seen as objects of kind of fetish which is so wrong and and so awful so they're two very different ends of the spectrum and um yeah my opinions of that is we need to change that basically it's interesting actually that you mentioned I, i'm gonna try it myself the fetishization of uh people with disabilities because i have um kind of heard stories in the past of people with disabilities in sexual situations and they'd be talking about the fact that it almost they almost felt like an experiment um, and I, I just feel like there's so much more to it than that. It's, it's, it's really frustrating. Like when you look at it, I remember going back to RSE classes in school and being taught about, about tech and everything and having to ask questions that I didn't even know the answer to. I didn't even know were questions to be going. So I suppose, what would your opinions be on like how we educate people around 
sex and disability? So I think it starts like with anything with young people um, and starting off with, um, well, I suppose there's a lot to be done around, you know, parents talking to their kids about sex and relationships in a certain way. Um, but certainly in, in, in schools, it's an excellent opportunity to get, you know, to access as many young people as possible and talk about sex in a way that is, you know, it's inclusive, it's diverse, it's not just one body part fitting into another body part. It's that is not what sex is. Sex is is so much more than that. And um, oh, I, I meant to write it down, but the definition I use for sex is um, oh god, I need to learn this off word by word. But basically, that sex is um, it's an experience created by someone either on their own or with a partner with the aim of sexual pleasure or gratification or fulfillment. So that could be any kind of genitals, it could be any kind of bodies, it could be any people of any gender. And I think talking about sex in that way and really, really getting to young people at that critical age where they're learning so much about sex, where they're learning from porn, they're learning from social media, they're learning, you know, we we learn from it everywhere from from we live in a very sexualized society, ironically, even though we struggle to talk about it so much. Um, so I think getting in there very early and actually just breaking all that down, you know, and taking it apart. Um, I recently read a book. I actually have it here. It's really excellent. It's called Love, Lust and Disability. Um, but it is by um, a company called Handy, H-A-N-D-I. And they are they um, they're creating super accessible um, sex toys. But anyway, this is just a book of all different people's experiences of um sex and sexuality as people with disabilities and someone described sex as an assembly which I think is just a lovely way of putting it that like we all bring whatever parts we have whatever experiences whatever beliefs opinions attitudes and we come together and create these experiences um I mean representation is huge um seeing more people with disabilities in you know whether it be modeling lingerie or in in Netflix shows or in, in there's so many different ways that that sex is sold and and that kind of uh, what's the word that it's kind of almost used as a product to sell things um, and it's all very you know usually kind of very thin white people who look a certain way and that's what sexiness looks like and that's what sexiness is and we all have that, you know, we all grew up with these ideas of sexiness as this little box and to be desirable, you must fit in this box and to be masculine is one thing and to be feminine is another thing. Um, so again, breaking that down, more representation. Um, I think that'll be really powerful. Um, I'm not sure would you agree, but I, I, I would hope that, you know, just seeing people who look like you, who talk like you, whatever it is, being actually seen as um sexually empowered or you know desirable and owning that absolutely and i think it's it's something myself and dara have been talking about quite a bit because um when i did my um final year thesis it was kind of around uh the representation of of disability in the media and one of those areas was around romance and uh, one of one of those areas that I focused on was um, two particular well, one 
a couple of a few movies i should say um but one in particular was uh me before you and it was kind of a case where it was the first time i'd kind of seen disability in this romantic sense but then spoiler alert right at the end you find out that he he still wants to like pass away and you're kind of like that's not how we should be showing like that's not how we should be showing disability it's uh yeah it's a frustrating one (laughs) yeah it's probably like you know that film itself because there's so little representation and there's probably a lot of hopes hanging on these kind of you know rare um representation that does come out so of course like that story thinking of that I mean it's so sad and so tragic and um you know fair enough there's probably space for that story but there should be so many more lovely positive wonderful stories out there for people to look at as well not just the you know what I mean not just kind of to have that one come along and for it to be like disappointing in that sense so I just want to go it's just Access now, I think, to information is probably it's probably too much information now. Whereas I was kind of saying it was a Sunday world for me, uh, you know, and, and those three kind of little, little boxes. Uh, Grace, you're probably too uh, too young to even remember. But anyway, uh, you know, it was a thing. But I mean, I think you know, it's uh, I've got kids; they've got access to so much more now, and it's not all necessarily good. And is we say, would your sort of can I, can we call it an industry? Yeah. Uh, I, yeah, I know it's not like you know out digging coal and stuff like that. It's not that kind of an industry, but it's it's definitely something that's that's grown up. Do you find that you're fighting against, we say, newer, more preconceived ideas of what people kind of think? Like, I mean, there's 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 access to to, to so much more porn now, which is um, clearly not how the world should be, you know, or how or how it should be sort of represented to anybody for that matter. And I mean, young people obviously have so much access to that. Are they, are they, are they finding themselves with a, a more skewed view? Yeah, it's it's hard to, because the research on this is a bit, um, uh, what's the word, uh, conflicting. So there's research to show that like porn in itself on its own, apparently won't actually really skew your view of sex too much. But if you have any pre-existing factors, um and then you're watching all this porn then you know because i am so like i could talk about kind of the porn industry and how it affects sex education how it you know how it's not a good sex education tool it's not designed to be a sex education tool it never has claimed to be a sex education tool but again i truly think that because we live in a society where we sell sex all the time we use it to sell like everything you know um yet we can't we're still struggling to have honest authentic raw conversations about sexual dysfunction about body image about you know all these different really real issues so of course young people then are turning to what they can and what they know which is their phones um so i think yeah i am definitely i feel like sometimes I do get a bit what's the word disheartened um when I feel I am up against just even the porn industry itself it is so huge it is so lucrative um and even like say on Instagram 
which is where I kind of dipped my feet into doing the whole Grace Alice stuff because it's, it's wonderful in ways, you know, a little, it can be a fantastic platform. But even on Instagram, they introduced new terms of service at the end of last year. So I actually have to censor. If I'm typing the word sex, I have to censor out the E or the X or I have to, you know, or if I type vagina, if I type condom, if I type pleasure, they have to be um, censored um, because otherwise, and loads of sex educators find this, our content gets what's called shadow banned. So it's not that it'll, well, sometimes it will just be deleted. It'll just be actually deleted straight out, which is just awful because so much work goes into this stuff. But then sometimes it'll actually just be pulled back. It won't be pushed out into the, you know, into the feeds. Whereas Pornhub has an Instagram page that's never going to get shut down because that's making so much money. So even just the logistics of the industry can be so frustrating. You can feel like a very little fish in a huge, huge sea of sharks. But um, and I and as well, I think with social media, right, everyone has their free speech of course they have their own little platforms we all have our own little soapboxes we can get up on and while again it can be wonderful in ways of activism you have a lot of people who aren't qualified to talk about certain topics relating to sex and trauma and bodies and yet they're doing so anyway and that's what I worry about to be honest even more is kind of like the people who look like they may be are really educated on this and are really sex positive, but are still coming out with really harmful messaging, if that makes sense. Um, they just don't really have, I, I just, you know, I just hold so much respect for people in my industry and, and the amount of kind of work and, and sensitivity with which we handle this topic. Um, and, you know, our job can get laughed at at times, people can, can get awkward, people can make jokes about it, but it actually is such a valuable industry sex therapy sex education all that um but unfortunately there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff for people to sort through to get to the good reputable sound information well i, I get the bit where you're talking about it's so comfortable to talk to i mean i'm, I'm like when we decided we were going to have a, a chat with you about this i kind of went right so okay yeah grant <laughs> uh you know and then chat with dan Kind of over over the, the the coming weeks or whatever when we're coming up to this and you know we're talking about whatever kind of I I have no idea what like I mean I, I could even hear myself talking earlier on and I was just kind of going you're either going to say something stupid here now or completely inappropriate um but I get that a lot actually when when we're kind of doing this with disability or not just we say sex sexuality but just in general our own disability where I just know that I'm opening my mouth just to put my other foot in it so kind of sex and sexuality for within disability like i'm way only depth here which is <laughs> which is fairly obvious you know um i think really to be honest so you know dan have you got a really interesting question get me off the hook here well like even even you you saying that uh dara like i when we kind of came up with with this concept to begin with I was I was quite kind of nervous about it because it has been something that like I've been curious about for quite a long time and then I suppose it's just 
getting within a space, like knowing what questions to ask and knowing how to to broker a conversation around it. So I, I suppose that's where this kind of um, came about. Like, to be honest, because if I think about sex and sexuality, like for me personally, I'm comfortable with how I look and, you know, how I treat myself and how I feel within my own body, you know. But then at the same time, um, when it comes to anything sexual, I kind of go, hang on, step back. Like there's, there's these kind of constant questions that go through that go through my head. So I'm kind of thinking, is there a way that we can kind of look at sex and disability and kind of make people with disabilities more confident about their sexuality? Well, I mean, I, I would absolutely hope there are ways. I don't have any straight up set in stone answers for sure. But I mean, just to start off to say that, you know, Dara, even you were saying there that you feel out of your depth and you're afraid of kind of, or, you know, you, you're thinking, oh, I put my foot in my mouth. Like that is, I mean, you are far, far, far from alone. Again, like in the world of occupational therapy I mean occupational therapists are terrified to bring it up and these are professionals we're talking about that are dealing with disability all the time um there's and again I was talking yesterday to wonderful psycho um sex therapist Aoife Drury and she was saying that you know um there's loads of uh, just psychotherapists who don't bring up sex and don't feel comfortable addressing sex which you know to me is even I was like what you know I was like oh when you're studying the human brain surely you know you'd know all about sexuality and it'd be fine talking about it but no um so I think like of course people are uncomfortable and they're not sure how to say things but I would love to see I mean it's it's very hard for like I, I'm thinking you know of someone maybe who has a disability and say if you have an occupational therapist coming into your house for example and they're looking at stair lifts or they're looking at whatever you know around the kitchen and and it takes a lot of guts to say well look you know I'm having trouble in the bedroom can we look at putting in you know maybe something by the bed or like putting in a a, a sling or a, or a lift or whatever it is or I want to have sex in this way I mean that takes a lot of agency to actually say that and advocate for yourself especially over a topic that we're disability or not we're made to feel so ashamed about and even more so when there's a disability involved maybe um so I would like to see more training of all professionals we're talking teachers therapists youth workers um uh physios gp just anyone who is dealing with the public especially in the health sector um get more training on this um at at college level not to have to go off and actually i mean continuous professional development is fantastic and there are courses you can do out there but actually to get it into the foundations of these courses um because i think like that would that would open it up so much more for people. I just, I, I don't think it should be all down to the person themselves, the person with the disability to have to actually go and do that. Um, now, of course, if they want it, that's great. That's fantastic. And ideally everyone would be talking about it. But, you know, I would just like to see a bit of shift of responsibility um, because self-advocacy is fantastic and it's so important, especially dealing with some parts of the um, healthcare, healthcare industry. But 
I just feel more responsibility should actually lie with the people who are, you know, supposed to be um, empowering us to have better physical health, mental health, sexual health. Um, and I do think, again, the representation is really important. So in the media, in shows, in film, in music, whatever it is, more and more, like we need more of it and not just tokenistic either. Um, mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. not just, you know, oh, the tick the box kind of, okay, we'll put someone in a wheelchair in this in this show um, to kind of say it's whatever, it's diverse. Like have a show with only people in wheelchairs, you know, like, or else just, you know, don't single it out as, oh, isn't this show great? Because it features one person, one or two people with disabilities. Um, yeah, and so that's in another industry. Again, that's in the entertainment industry. So, I mean, again, I've no, I've no kind of, we should do this, this and this. These are very overarching ideas. But I think even what you're doing right now, you're using your podcast to talk about this. People are going to listen to this. They're going to go away and think about it. They're going to maybe talk to other people about it, keeping the conversations going, bringing it out into the open. Um, and like that's something we need to do with so many topics around sex so why not disability as well it's just so important Um, if if people feel as long as shame lingers people are not going to feel empowered to advocate for their own um, sexuality and sexual health and we all need to we all need to do that in some sense you know and I suppose it's it's strange when we kind of strip it all back because it's like it's fundamental to the human condition like that's how we that's how we reproduce and things like that so it's actually when I think about it that way it's quite strange that there is this kind of like it's almost a taboo around it constantly I I don't know whether, whether you feel that or yeah no there is there absolutely is and it is because it's the most natural thing in the world it's so natural and oh there's I mean we could go on for 10 hours about how it has come to this how that sex has you know over the course of history and Irish history has become something associated still with kind of stigma and shame and different parts of sexuality you know maybe not every single part of it but some parts of it um and but what I do always say is although it's natural it doesn't mean it comes naturally and I think Mm -hmm. that's really important as well because sometimes people are all oh it's natural it's natural you know sure it's not really something you can sit down and learn about you kind of have to just kind of go out and do it and and it'll what's the word you know it'll get easier and and all these kind of phrases which there's sprinklings of truth in some of them but I would argue that like I mean sex is a learned act we we learn how to have sex um and as we I've talked about at length that is influenced by um you know things like porn, things like the media and the representations of sex we see. So given that it's a learned act and it's a learned behavior, we need to learn about it. Um, And it's something I suppose I learned about. I had, and I I speak quite openly about this, I had a condition called vaginismus for eight years. So I couldn't have penetrative sex at all. And this was, at the time, it was... There was hardly any information about it. I was 
I mean, I was so alone. I, I, I was failed so many times by different health professionals. Now, I eventually did get treatment, thankfully, in my early 20s. And it did. It basically solved the problem for me. But like back then, they were saying that, you know, about one in a thousand women have it. And nowadays, the stat is one in 10. So that's yeah. a difference of 10 years. And, and that much progression has happened. But anyway, the point I was trying to make is that I, when I realized at whatever age I was, I was probably 14 when I realized I couldn't tolerate penetration, um, just even using tampon stuff, I couldn't do it. And I was like, I can't have sex. Like the only view I had sex was penetration. It was heteronormative. It was the penis going to vagina. And I was like, well, I'm kind of worthless as a woman. Like I'm never going to be able to have kids. I'm never going to be able to have sex. And I mean, I went through such a dark time and I'm not for a second comparing this to having a disability, but just even that way of thinking that there is one way to have sex. And that's what we learn. And then if you cannot do it, if it doesn't look and sound and feel like you think it should, you've been taught that it should. I mean, it's it's devastating. So yeah, I think as, as natural an act as sex is, it's still very complex. And um, it's, yeah, it is something we learn to do. So I've probably gone off the topic of what you asked me, but um, it's all kind of the same realm that um, we need to talk about it more and we need to be more inclusive in our thinking of what sex is. Yeah, I'm going to have to wipe my uh, my history now on my computer after this because if anyone gets a hold of this now between, you know, the handy book of uh, love, lust and disability and vaginosis, that's it. You know, I'm, I'm in trouble straight away. I certainly can't let me kids anywhere near the computer. What's that you been looking at lately? Oh, really, yeah? <laughs> no, that's not going to go very well. So, Grace, we had asked you to have a look at Disability New, A New History um, in episode eight, which is uh, Sex and Marriage. That's um, a series of podcasts on the BBC that looks at disability kind of 17th, 18th, 19th century from a historical point of view. And it, it's pretty good. Uh, generally, I have to say I didn't quite enjoy this episode as much. I thought it was a bit, uh, I thought the headline was a bit Sex and Marriage. I thought, oh, great. But it wasn't really, really like that at all. Yeah, I just, I just. I just felt robbed, to be brutally honest. Yeah, there was very little sex involved. Yeah, I was about to say, I was expecting a little bit more sex. Um, but yeah, it was quite a lot about... Well, one thing one thing that I suppose I took away from it was, in my naivety, I probably have never thought about... When I think about the stigma around sex and disability and the kind of erasure of, you know disability from or people with disabilities from the conversation and history I never considered the eugenics aspect of it um I probably knew about it but I just didn't link the two and I was listening I was like oh my god yeah that's oh god that's awful like it just added another layer to what was already a, a, a horrible you know situation um and I mean I, I I struggle to believe that that's completely eradicated I imagine that that's still an issue in some parts of the world or could there could be a lingering oh what's the word um you know you know with these attitudes you'd like to think they're long gone but when I was listening to, I was like you know there's probably still people out there you know who still think like this which is terrible um so that is just something that it kind of 
kind of gave me a bit of a kick to be honest I was like yeah well, he, he was he was making the point that you know it was kind of the, the, we, we blame Adolf Hitler an awful lot for the whole eugenics thing and the eradication of disability and but in reality there was a great love for it well before he sort of jumped on the bus in England and America uh, where they were kind of going oh can't be doing that sort of thing you can't have two deaf people now getting married and having kids that's just not on because you'll have a whole clatter of de- deaf people then. And, you know, even the fact of, of putting people with sign language uh, who, you know, they won't be part of normal society, then they'll be starting their own cult almost to a certain extent. And we can't be having that sort of thing. Dan, what did you think? Yeah, I thought it was um, similar to yourself, Grace. I thought it there would be a little bit more about kind of sexuality and how people like express themselves (laughs) um but as you say it was kind of more about attitudes towards people expressing themselves in a different way uh the eugenics bit yeah i um i was shocked to see it but i not necessarily surprised as sad as that is um but the strange thing for me on that was the fact that they had these laws and yet people in the community were still supporting deaf people getting married. And yet the law stated that it wasn't, you know, it was this taboo thing that wasn't meant to be allowed because it was to, you know, as you were saying, like almost creating a, a deaf cult. And yet the opposite is actually ha- happening because in communities people are supporting it. So I, I don't, I don't know, could that be attributed to attitudes towards it today in some sense or it's possible dan i suppose but i i think uh, it's the whole i think at at the very start of the episode uh, somebody said you know the people with disabilities had little or no hope of getting married uh that was just an accepted sort of uh thing and i guess something we've been talking about lately an awful lot later lately is kind of people's attitude towards people with disabilities and you know back in the 17th 18th century uh, what was the statistic down on nurses? Oh, yes, yeah, 60% of female uh, nurses had a disability. Hmm. So the jobs that people with disability would take up now are way different than what would have been in the 17th and 18th century. Okay, different, different societies. All that aside, you know, the people with disabilities were laying out the dead. They had different jobs, different capabilities or different expectations that have we not got to the point now where it's almost craterism, you know, as an, ah, that's crater, sure. listen, you can't be doing that, you know, look at him there in his wheelchair. Ah, no, he wouldn't be able to do that at all now. You know, have we become almost too protective of people? Um, I mean, even when it comes to thinking about uh, sex and disability, are, are we not sort of going, oh, I don't know, we yeah. have to look at that now. You know? Yeah, well, it's, I suppose, as you well know, I mean, it's impossible to talk about um, sex and disability without talking about ableism in general. You know, if, if, if we eradicated ableism, there would be no issues with sex disability. It's just, it's an overarching thing and it comes in many forms. And like you said, the kind of craterism, which just reminded me, I don't know why, but it, I, I was trying to explain the word crater to someone from England recently. I don't know. I was just like, you, all, you poor craterine. Um, but uh, 
yeah it's, it's such a good way of putting it though like that's a form of ableism and, and like sometimes it, it might not come again from a bad place but it's still the impact is bad and what I have you seen actually the documentary um it's nominated for an Oscar Crip Camp it's on Netflix have you seen it yes yeah, yeah. Don, Don made me watch already? it have you discussed it already on the podcast or we have it? indeed yeah Oh, yeah. right. Okay. Well, I won't go into it too much, but I think w what I really liked about that is, um, you know, w when the teenagers were at the camp, they were, and it was at a time, you know, it wasn't that long ago, um, but, it, you know, they weren't even able to go to um, certain schools at that point, etc. But they were just acting like normal teens or young adults, like they were shifting behind the, you know, the buildings, they were they were having a joint here and there and I just I was like you know would that happen these days could a camp like that actually happen these days legally because there's such you know because things have changed obviously for the best in, in many ways but at the same time mm -hmm. Dara like you mentioned that kind of that cotton wool craterine effect <laughs> um would that ever allow something as kind of radical as what that was at the time? Um, I don't know, am I saying that very articulately, but I hope you get what I'm saying that like, you know, these days would there be just so many concerns about... There would, absolutely, I'm, I'm sure there would. And it, it'd almost be back to eugenics, I would imagine, in the sort of, oh no, <laughs> no, 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 we're not having all of them together. There's absolutely no way that's going to happen. Um, yeah. And it, it just... Yeah, but then again, would parents allow it to happen? That's the thing as well, because even looking at the footage, like they were playing um, baseball and stuff, and they were like rattling people around on the wheelchairs. And like mm -hmm. even my, again, me being in 2021 and being so exposed from working in schools to kind of that hyper, like, what if someone gets hurt? What if someone gets hurt? What if I say the wrong thing? What if I get sued? Um, Absolutely, insurance and straight away would be the first thing you'd go, there's an, there's an insurance company in the whole wide world that'll go, oh, yeah, so on, you'll be grand. All exactly. of the young people and moving parts, that's no problem. Nothing's going to happen there. And that's the thing. And it's just like seeing that and seeing those young people who are so isolated and, and they just wanted to be, again, just to be seen like there is normal young people with, with normal experiences that people can have. Not obviously everyone has, but as, as a teenager where you do do stupid things and you do, you know, you mess up and you're silly. And, um, you know, there was the, the couple that were having their week, their week anniversary, but then there was an outbreak of pubic lice so they couldn't see each other it was just like oh god I was like we've lost some of that kind of and the fact that it was kind of run by hippies and singing inverted commas um you know a lot of us would probably count as hippies if we went back then because yeah you know. but yeah I just I just thought you know have we lost some of that kind of it all in the name of protecting and I'm using inverted commas again people are we actually what has social media uh, had an impact on that as well insofar yeah. as like you're talking about okay and I often said it to my kids when I was young there's no history of what, what happened to me when I was young I'll tell them any story I want uh, there's lots of things they'll never know about because they'll never hear about but everything they do now is on social media someone's there with a camera or they're posting a picture or a selfie or god we agree on crack last night and there was well, actually I don't know I doubt very much which was a 16 year old going great I'll crack that yeah 
will you? Uh, you know, but there's their whole life is on social media now, and there is nowhere to hide. So I couldn't imagine a, a camp like that happening now, and uh, I wouldn't say being released onto social media, but getting out into social media, you'd have. I, I'd imagine there would be uproar. Yeah, there probably would be. Do you think so, Dan? Yeah. Well, I don't. I don't think there should be, but no. there probably would be. That's what you need. One of one of the other reasons um, that we kind of wanted to talk about this today is because no, this this topic around disability and sexuality is not talked about nowhere near enough. And I think that comes back to like people's confidence. Now, maybe that's me personally. I don't know, but surely it's it affects people's um, confidence around their own sexuality. I, I can't be the only one. Um, and I, I completely agree with you that like we need to take elements of what we saw in Crip Camp and not be scared to implement it and kind of go this is happening let's talk about it more let's do it more and let's see where it goes yeah I agree and I think you know that advice can be you know applied across the board that can be applied to you know again, an occupational therapist, I'm always like, I mean, say it, say it wrongly rather than not say it at all. Like say it, obviously don't be offensive, you know, but like say mm-hmm. it, say it imperfectly, um, you know, do it, do it in a messy way rather than not do it at all, because you'll get more comfortable with it. Um, you know, you'll get more comfortable with the topic. You'll, you'll draw in the person and even tell, tell somebody like, look, I don't know how exactly to say this, but I want, you know, I want to ask you this or, or whatever it is. Um, and, and just, I mean, it is hard. I understand. I do understand the fear around it because the uproar and I mean, the trolling and the abuse online. I mean, again, that's a whole other podcast because it, it is a huge problem. But um, if we can get past that and as you said, just not not be so afraid because it's better to have, again, imperfectly phrased conversations rather than no conversations um but that's my opinion anyway just to say it rather than say nothing at all yeah absolutely i i completely agree and i I think there it comes back to a conversation that we've been having over the past number of weeks about um does everybody with a disability have to be an activist and I think it comes around to like people asking the questions and then if somebody with a disability doesn't answer it or answer it, like that's their prerogative. And if they don't answer it, it's their problem. But I don't think that should take away from people being worried or they should feel like, I just think that's something that needs to improve big time is that like we need to create a culture where people are comfortable asking the questions first and foremost before anything else yeah and maybe a bit of a bit of comfort in being uncomfortable that kind of idea as well that you you need to get and I I've had to do that I suppose in my job in relation just to sex I've had to get comfortable with my discomfort and get comfortable with other people's discomfort and break through those barriers and, and still bring it up whatever it is I'm talking about still say it um rather than kind of shy away from that uncomfortable feeling because that's where real change happens, I think, yeah. when you actually sit with that discomfort and, and just 
acknowledge it. It's there, but don't let it completely stop you. Um, and I think you made a really good point there, Dan, about, um, you know, does every person with a disability have to be an activist? And it's something I wanted to just briefly bring up is that when I talk about representation and um, sex and disability and role models, there are great people out there to look up to and to follow. Um, like some on Instagram that I would follow would be, um, there's a great uh, woman called Ginny called, and her handle is My Disabled Sex Life. Um, the co-founder of Handy, that company I mentioned, Andrew Gerza, he's a really big um, uh, queer um, sex and disability activist. Um, there's someone else called Wheelchair Rapunzel. Um, you know, I follow a lot of them and it's fantastic because they are people with disabilities and they're talking blatantly and in, in all different ways, Andrew is quite like, he's quite provocative, he's quite graphic, um, which some people I think find quite shocking. Um, but it's actually how most of the chat, a lot of chat goes down on Grindr, you know, and, and that's the reality. So just because he's a disability doesn't mean he has to water down himself. And then um, Ginny is extremely like, oh, she's great to listen to. She's so authentic and articulate and everything. But anyway, my point is, is that while it's, we need those people, we need more of those people, no one should feel that they have to embody that for their sexuality still to be taken seriously. You know, someone, whether they have a disability or not, they shouldn't have to be open and public about their, you know, they could feel it's a very intimate part that they don't want to talk about, but it's still very much there and it exists and it should be considered. So I, I just hate the idea of people thinking, oh God, I'm going to have to, you know, I'm going to have to talk about this my whole life if I want to be seen as a sexual being. That shouldn't be the case, you know? They should just be seen as a sexual being because they're a human being, not because they're a role model or they're a public activist or not, you know? So Grace, you, you were good enough there to uh, give uh, lots of people a nice shout out. Where can people find you? Yes, uh, they can find me. Um, so my website is gracealice.com, very straightforward. And my Instagram is Ganace LaGrace. So Ganace being the Irish word for sex that anyone doesn't recognize. Yeah. <laughs> so um, uh, Ganace LaGrace and um, people thought my name was Ganace for ages who weren't Irish and kept messaging me, calling Ganace. I was like, it means sex. My parents have not named me sex. Um <laughs> Yeah, my my very, you know, rural Kerry dad definitely didn't name me sex. Um, but Ganesh LaGrace and uh, yeah, I'm just on LinkedIn, Grace Alice O'Shea. And that's it, isn't it? Instagram, website, LinkedIn. And oh, yeah, my email, if anyone wants to get in contact directly, is grace.alice.sexed at gmail.com. Uh, but they're all all my details are up on my website anyway. So that's where I'm at. Grace, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you today. Um, I, I've really enjoyed it. I've, I've enjoyed being uncomfortable. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, it, it's pretty good. Dan? Absolutely. 100%. Thank you so much. It's been, it's been brilliant. And I hope that we can continue this conversation going forward um, into the future because it's a conversation that needs to be had more often, for sure. I agree. And no, absolutely. Let's keep talking about it. And uh, thank you so much for having me on. You are listening to Dan and Dara Doability. And that was the very insightful Grace Alice O'Shea. Dan, your thoughts? Absolutely agree. I, I thoroughly enjoyed that. It was very insightful. And um, 
as we were saying just there, I think it, it's a conversation that, that needs to be had um, far more often. Yeah. Um, and I'm still, uh, yeah, I don't know. Am I still feeling a little bit uncomfortable about the whole thing? I think I am. Yeah, it is. A, it's, a, it's an unusual conversation to be having. Well, definitely one that should be happening should certainly be had yeah no 100 percent, 100 and I, I think she she was saying uh just there about like feeling uh comfortable with the with the discomfort of it yeah well i'm just kind of uncomfortable with the uncomfortableness of it at the moment maybe when i've had some sleep and i've had a chance to maybe think about this i maybe even listen back to it i'll be able to go oh yeah okay yeah, yeah fair enough uh i get it yeah you know, but I mean, like she covered some fantastic ground there about media and media representation and how it's the the perception of people uh, and how mm. it's been it, it, it's been put across, which is which is interesting um, and how it is in movies. Yeah, absolutely. And one that, that came to my mind was um, Adam. Uh, it was a 2020 film uh, starring Aaron Paul. Uh, it was based on a true story about uh, about a guy called Adam Nisker, uh, who became par- paralyzed after he uh, dove into three feet of water. But in in the movie, it it showcases um, sex in in relation to disability. But then at the same time, kind of without wanting to spoil it, it's kind of within the context of the movie. You're kind of going. It's positive, but there's kind of it's in order to make another character possibly feel better about themselves. So there's kind of you know there's a context within a context. If that if that makes sense. Yeah, no, no, it does. I haven't seen the movie myself. Um, I probably should. Yeah, it's it's a brilliant film. Um, and it's definitely something that that is going in the right direction when it comes to uh kind of even even showing sex with, with like involving um people with with disabilities and just even outside of the whole sexuality thing just a positive depiction of somebody with a disability who wants to live their life you know to the fullest possible degree that they can okay so then are, are we back to um Dan Airy, media student writing something are you now in a position where we're back talking to Paddy Slattery going, you have a disability, you should be writing about disability? Um, I can. I, I think it's it's like, as you said, it's it's like um, Paddy mentioned, is that like, it's a matter of personal choice, I think. It's like, we shouldn't feel like we have to, but then the option is always there, you know. Uh, yeah, I do, but if not you, who? Yeah, yeah, I get you. Yeah, absolutely. I I think there does need to be um, an element of a willingness to explore these type of stories from uh, studios and things like that that might not necessarily always have to come from people with disabilities though yeah no um, I, I get that and i suppose you know you still have to sell a movie it's not um yeah yeah it's, it's not going to happen uh if it's not a good movie uh, if, if there's not a story there it's, it's certainly not going to happen 
Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think it comes back to uh, a point that um, Paddy was making in that, like, if I think the way he phrased it, if, I could, if I'm um, correct, is saying that if the actor fits the role, then they fit the role. Whether it be, whether it be okay, if it's a person with a disability playing a person with a disability, deadly. If not, that's okay too. But I think it comes round to whether or not it is a positive representation of somebody with a disability within that film, regardless of whether or not uh, that person or the people making the film are have disabilities. Mm. I, th- I think that's the kind of thing that 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 gets at me a little bit is that it's it's inherently negative a lot of the time. It, like even watching that trailer uh, to that film, Adam, you're kind of looking at it and you're kind of going, okay, well, first and foremost, the trailer gives away a lot of the film. Uh, but the trailer is a very uh, come back to what we were mentioning about creatorism. It's very oh poor you kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, whereas... So I, I've got one. I, w- I want to show one at you now because it's just it's just wandered across my head, right? Okay. It uh, and sort of the media and uh, depiction of disability and stuff like that. Your appearance on first dates. Yes. The elephant in the room here, Dan. Yes. How do you think that was depicted? because we know it's all it's all in the edit yeah yeah um to be honest with you dara that was something i was very worried about uh i I suppose there comes the natural nerves of like oh my god i'm on national tv kind of thing there's that as well but there's also how how it would because i you know i've no control over that whatsoever uh and to be honest with you, I watched it for about five minutes, and I think the 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 first interaction that you had with me, I watched that, and I'm kind of going, yeah, okay, I'm comfortable with this. Uh, I I just kind of, kind of as soon as I watched the the first interaction, I was like, okay, they're taking a lighthearted stance on this, while yet still making. A, the point that needs to be made, but not shoving it in your face. Mm. And uh, I, th- I think that's that's something that can that can be taken uh, forward into media depictions in in film and things like that. Does that answer your question? Yeah, no, or... it's not. You know what? We've never discussed it. I mean, anytime we ever kind of look to have a chat about it, we we were kind of you know we either didn't or it was kind of. Well, I'm not too sure we could talk about that yet yeah. because obviously at the time it was only after coming out or it was it was on its way or whatever. Um, you know, you weren't uh-huh. you were more worried about somebody coming along going, uh, "Excuse me, you can't be saying that." You know, you're going to ruin yeah. the show. So we we never really had a chance to um, discuss it. Yeah, and I I think it's like it's interesting that we're 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 talking about discussion and and like I think it's having an open discussion about everything to do with disability on a consistent basis and that includes sexuality and I suppose normalizing it within culture within society and being like 
let's talk about this and let's improve it and let's empower these people to to feel confident about themselves and feel like they belong and i'm not i'm not saying that that's not the case but yeah i, I don't know my my thought process is, is no no good. it's fine but i'm also no when you're when you're saying that that i'm talking about other tv shows that are out there like the undateables yeah, um, I I have some opinions about the undateables. Well, but there you go. But see, this is the point. I mean, it's 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 TV. Yeah, somebody came up with that idea and pitched it. Yeah, some TV executive went. Actually, yeah, somebody might watch that. You see, that's the thing about media, isn't it? In that, like, what is it? What's the saying about uh, publicity? It's. Uh, but there's no such thing as bad publicity. No such thing as bad publicity. Yeah, and I think that. The Undateables is very much case in point with that, in that no matter whether it's positive or negative talking points, the key phrase there is talking points, mm. uh, and and you're gonna you're gonna get people talking about it. But yeah, no, the Undateables is uh, yeah no, a hard no for me, firm no on that one. Okay, I mean, I, I have a funny feeling this might be something we might return to then. Uh, you know, it might just poke you again with a stick and uh, just see where, where that one takes us. Because, yeah, it's, it's you know, it's it's rare we get such a very blunt uh, sort of reaction from you when it, when it comes to... I can't think... It's funny, I can't think of any other TV shows uh, at, at the moment that might irritate you. Right, okay. Which is probably a good thing. Possibly. We'll, we'll see. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm open. I'm open. To, I'm open to having having these uh, these discussions. And I, and I suppose like it's there will be people that say that it's a positive like uh, depiction, and there will be certain people that have been involved that have been like, I love the experience of of the undateables, and I like. With the undateables, it's very much an opinion. With first dates, I have experienced the first hand. Mm. So it can be like categorically that was a positive experience. Um, with the undateables, it's very much an opinion being like, I'm not a fan. Yeah. Well, to be fair, Dan, I think uh, our chat with uh, Grace has really has brought an awful lot of stuff out to the front. Um, that I think we're, 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 there. we're certainly not going to be avoiding we definitely will be returning to it at some stage 100 percent, and i'm i'm 100 percent up for that good so dan where can people find us you can find us on facebook twitter and instagram at dan and dara doability if anyone's going to contact us you can find us at uh, dan and dara doability at gmail.com i've been dara mcnicholas and i'm dan airy and we'll talk to you soon <laughs>